Before we, we um, look into God's Word and hear what He has for us this morning, let, us, let me uh, pray for us to prepare for us this time. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we can come together on this last Sunday of 2019 to just hear what you have for us as we end this year. I pray, Lord, that you would be here in real time, as we all understand in our minds. But I pray that you would help us to experience what you want us to experience. As I pray every time I speak, that you will open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, and open our minds to what you want us to experience. And may this day be a day where life transformation can continue. So may the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we enter into the new year, many of us commonly take the time to reflect on the past to prepare for the future. And someone once said that we only have 2020 vision when we look back at where we came from. And, and we really are blind going forward. It's essentially another way of saying that we have 2020 hindsight. There's some truth to that. Another saying is, love is blind, which means a person who is in love can see no faults or imperfections in the person whom he or she loves. And there can be some value in this, but I believe in God's heart. God's intent is for us not to be blind to people, but to see them as Jesus sees them. So going into 2020, the new year, how appropriate would it be for us to have 2020 vision? 2020 vision to see ourselves and others with the clarity of Jesus. Only then can we love people like Jesus. But to be honest, we all have a problem that can hinder us in seeing others and ourselves as Jesus does. And that problem is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is saying or feeling one thing and believing or doing another. A hypocrite is a person who pretends to have certain beliefs, attitudes, or feelings when they really do not. They are being someone they are not. They are people who are often two-faced or have double standards. Other names that we often call hypocrites, they're pretenders, posers, fakers, imposters. And often, it is a fine line that we cross over into hypocrisy. There are things we do in life that we are truthful about. When we are truthful about, we are not proud of. And it's like telling these little white lies that often come across each day. And if we really think about it, we're not really being honest or truthful. Now, these situations come up regularly, and sometimes we, we're not aware of them. I was having a conversation with one of our young interns, and he was saying, with full integrity, aren't we supposed to be honest with people, to tell them the truth? He was just being idealistic. Because I said, you've never been married before. And I found this, this, this uh, Korean commercial that kind of illustrates what I'm talking about. Uh, there's subtitles, so why don't we see this video? Really? <laughs> 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 
조금 조금? 뚱뚱한 여자랑 다녀서 되게 힘들겠다 우리 헤어져 어? 오빠 나 요즘 살찐 거 같지? 아 아니야 옛날이랑 완전 똑같아 그럼 옛날에도 뚱뚱했단 얘기자 우리 그만 만나자 오빠 나 요즘 살찐 거 같지? 글쎄 난잘 모르겠는데 잘 모르겠어 오빠 왜 이렇게 나한테 관심이 하나도 없어? 우리 그만하자 미수가 진짜 나한테 왜 그래? 출출해서 그래. 출출할 때 미수기는 미수기가 아니야. 야생 때는 어때, 그지? 어. 이렇게 예쁜 돼지가 어디 있어, 그지? 맛있다. 맛있어? 오빠들 <웃음> 먹어. 아 오빠, 나 오늘 뭐 달라진 거 없어? I hope you enjoy that. <laughs> it takes lightly the subject of hypocrisy, but it's something that we, if we think about it, we face in real time. And if we are not aware of it, we can become people that we are really not. And that's being dishonest to, to ourselves and also how God created us. Well, today, hypocrisy is accepted to be a simple reality of modern life. And sadly, Christians are not exempt from being viewed as hypocritical. Now, there's a, a particular surveying group called Barna, Barna Group, and they did surveys on a variety of topics and issues. And they asked a lot of people, primarily people under 30 years of age, what they think of Christians and the Christian church. And a majority of them, actually 85% of people under 30 believe that the church and Christians are hypocritical. And this is something that's even more startling, that when they asked young Christians who are 30 years and younger what they think about the church and Christians, half of them say that the church and Christians are hypocritical. This is the next generation of the faith, and they are viewing the church and Christians as being hypocritical. Now, this is more disturbing to me, is that a majority feel, so what? Who cares? Everybody's hypocritical. Well, hypocrisy, if not dealt with honestly, can become a serious problem. Even though most people don't care about hypocrisy, hypocrisy does have negative, negative consequences. Occasionally, I, I listen to certain podcasts, and there's one called the Asian American Podcast uh, with Ken Fong. Ken is a good friend of mine. I met him in college a long time ago. He became a pastor. He, he became a senior pastor at, uh, in Southern California. He's a seminary professor. He's a photographer. Now he has his own um, um, podcast. In a recent podcast that I listened to, he was talking about uh, a subject uh, called um, what is it? Uh, he was talking about um, um, decision points that we make in our, our life, fundamental choices, senior moment there, uh, that these fundamental choices come up in our life, that we choose to be 
uh, married. We choose to have children and become parents. We choose careers and professions. And, and one of the other major uh, fundamental choices we make in life is whether or not we want to be a Christian. Now, a lot of times when we make these choices, unfortunately, we don't think it through. We don't look at the full meaning of what it means to be a parent or what it means to be married or even what it means to be a Christian. We actually begin to cherry pick things we like about those things and we put them into our lives that we can easily look from the outside of being able to do certain things that make us look like we're married, make us look like we're parents, even make ourselves look like we're Christians, but we're really not fully integrated into those choices. And when we do that, that's called hypocrisy. God wants us to be whole, to have integrity. That means the outside matches the inside. And when the inside does not match the outside, when we look like something on the outside but truly am not that way on the inside, then we are hypocrites. And this morning, we're going to look at a passage from John 8, verse 1 and 11, which deals with this topic of hypocrisy, that some people known as the religious elite in their culture look good from the outside but were totally hypocrites because of what they were like on the inside. I will point out that this hypocrisy damages how we love God, love people, and serve the world, which happens to be the mission we are called to be part of. So if you have Bibles, I want you to track along with me as I read from John 8, verses 1 to 11, starting with verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. And that is the word of the Lord. So from the story of the woman who is apparently accused of adultery in John 8, The first problem I see here about hypocrisy is that hypocrisy breaks our relationship with God. And we can clearly see this with the Pharisees and the scribes. The Pharisees and the scribes, the so-called religious elite of the times, brought a woman caught in the act of adultery. And she apparently had an affair with a married man. But the hypocrisy in the Pharisees was not to seek fairness and righteousness, 
but to test Jesus. In verse 6 it says, This they said to, to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And, and I find in a, a better translation in NIV that says, They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So how were they trying to trap Jesus? Now, if Jesus answered them by saying, stone the woman, then he would be invalidating, or if Jesus said not to stone the woman, he would be invalidating Moses' law. Now, if he said the other opposite end, not to stone the woman, then Jesus would be uh, uh, not only breaking the Moses' law, but if he said to stone the woman, he would be defying Roman law. Because Roman law said no Jew can take the law in their own hands. So he's kind of caught in this rock in a hard place. If he said, don't stone her, stone the woman, then she, he would be violating Moses' law. If he said, stone her, then he would be violating Roman law that says Jews can't take the law in their hands. It's a lose-lose situation. So Jesus was aware of that and what they were trying to do, so he didn't answer their question. He responded by writing instead on the ground with his finger and saying, He without sin cast the first stone. We know that Jesus is both man and God, and to test God is a risky proposition. If you ever try to do that, I don't recommend it. To try and trap Jesus is definitely not a sign that the Pharisees and the scribes loved God, which is God's basic command to all his people who want to be faithful to him. Love me. He doesn't say, trap me, as the Pharisees were trying to do to Jesus. In the Bible, Jesus had very sharp words for the Pharisees. He called them hypocrites, who were supposed to be the most religious. But they had distorted God's faith into something that forgot that God looks into the heart of a person more than what the person looks like on the outside. The Pharisees were cherry-picking the faith to make themselves look good. From Matthew Verse, uh, Matthew 23, verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. The Pharisees look good on the outside, but dirty on the inside. They were all for show. They wanted to be exclusive, where Jesus had a message that was inclusive. They wanted power and all the benefits that go with it instead of being close to God. Hypocrites are far away from God. It's all about self instead of sacrifice and serving others. Today, another way we could see this is that we would look at certain people and say they are going to church but not believing in God. Belief in God is more than head knowledge, but an experiential relationship with Jesus, demonstrated by obedience to the commands that God has has given to us. And this could be summarized, as Jesus did, to that young lawyer who asked, what are the two greatest commandments? And Jesus said, love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love others as yourself. Do we as followers of Jesus Christ, take those commands seriously? Or are we like the Pharisees and are like hypocrites? To be able to have 2020 vision, to see ourselves and others clearly like Jesus, we cannot do this on our own efforts alone. 
We need God and the help of the Holy Spirit. That means having intimacy with Jesus daily, but also to be aware that hypocrisy breaks our relationship with him. The next thing I see in this story is that hypocrisy hurts people. It can hurt people. And we see this in verses 3 to 5. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in an act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? So how, how does this hurt people? What are the Pharisees doing here that can hurt people? Well, first, the Pharisees have a double standard. It takes two people to tangle. The woman is being presented here in public as one who has committed adultery. But she didn't do it by herself. Adultery is committed by two people. There's this woman, but where's the man? Where's the man that's involved? But only the woman is here. And the law that the Pharisees are using here to justify stoning this woman also means they're supposed to stone the man. But he's not here. They're being kind of selective. The law that they were referring to requires both parties involved in adultery to suffer the same judgment. But the Pharisees only brought the woman and not the man. This is hypocrisy, and this is also sexist. And this double standard, this hypocrisy, hurt this woman, both literally if she was stoned, but also figuratively by the judging and criticism of her community around her. Not very loving, I would say. And Jesus called out the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. In verse 6, Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So when you look at this, this particular story about Jesus responding to the Pharisees in such a way, there's this action where he bends over. He actually bends over twice with his finger, apparently writing something in the dirt, in the ground. Have you ever wondered what he was doing, what he was writing? Well, if you answered no, that's actually the right answer. No one knows actually what he was writing. But we can guess. Some of us can make uh, kind of guesses as what we, interpretations as to what he was doing. My guess is that oftentimes Jesus, when he's teaching, when he's speaking, he said, it is written. He says it verbally. It is written. Then he starts to quote something from Old Testament scripture as he's teaching the crowd who among many are Jewish people, and they should be familiar with, with the Old Testament, God's Word. So here, he doesn't say it is written, but with his finger and his action, he's kind of demonstrating it is, he could be demonstrating it is written. 
And what word is he referring to? Well, possibly he could be referencing Hosea 4, verse 14 in the Old Testament, which any good Jew, especially Pharisees and scribes who are experts in the law and experts of the Old Testament, they should know this. God says in Hosea 4, verse 14, I will not punish your daughters when they turn to prostitution, not your daughter-in-laws when they commit adultery, because the men themselves consort with harlots and sacrifice with shrine prostitutes. A people without understanding will come to rule. From Hosea 4, God said, and he pointed out to the men, judging women for their sexual immorality without pointing fingers at themselves, was hypocritical. And God said in Hosea, he would not punish the women. So possibly, Jesus is writing with his finger a reference to an Old Testament scripture talking about hypocrisy in the men. Another interpretation of Jesus' writing on the ground is that some scholars believe that Jesus is writing the names of the men in the crowd. That he's putting their names in the dirt. So what is significant with that, about writing names in the dirt? Well, as a pastor, I have the privilege and honor of doing memorial services for family and friends. And uh, oftentimes there are gravesite uh, ceremonies that, that I perform. And part of those ceremonies, oftentimes these words are said, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. And those words come from Genesis 3, verse 19, where God said to Adam when he sent them out of the Garden of Eden, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And the context of this became uh, more real to me when I was able to visit the Holy Land this past April. So two places that are mentioned here in the scripture is the Mount of Olives and the temple. If you're ever in Jerusalem, those two places are really close. You can walk within a couple hours of going from the Mount of Olives to the temple. They're two high points. You look from the Mount of Olives, you see the temple. From the temple, you see the Mount of Olives. In between, there's a valley. In between the temple and the Mount of Olives, where this setting of this scripture passage is taking place, is a valley. And in that valley, there's a cemetery. A cemetery with whitewashed tombs. Can't miss it. Every good Jew wants to be buried in that cemetery. It's a place of honor. And so when Jesus is here on the temple, riding in the dirt, he's possibly sending a message to those Pharisees. One day, you're going to die. You're going to return to the ground, dust to dust. And on that day, you will come before God, and you must make atonement for your sins. Therefore, the eldest apparently left first because they realized their time on earth was short 
And if they judge others for sins, they should also turn their pointing fingers back at themselves and be judged likewise. What these men were doing was judging others, in particular this woman, and being hypocrites about it. And judging others is a sin of pridefulness, self-righteousness. It's a holier-than-thou kind of attitude. And this is due to pride. Pride is not thinking that I am great. It's thinking I am better than you. This kind of sin breaks relationships and is counter to the command to love one another. The opposite of judging is to love unconditionally, without expectations. Jesus loved this woman and extends grace to her, and this woman finds forgiveness from Jesus, and there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. And that is good news for all of us. But hypocrisy, if unchecked, prevents us from having 2020 vision for ourselves and for others to be able to see them like Jesus. And not only does hypocrisy break our relationship with God and hurts people, but it also undermines our witness and outreach. It's a bad look. For people looking at the church and Christians, and when we are hypocritical, it's a bad look. It's a bad witness. It's a bad testimony. In verse 2, it says, Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. A lot of people were with Jesus, including the disciples. Right here with this woman who's being accused of adultery, Jesus is taking a real-time lesson to teach the people. How the Pharisees were acting and behaving, if they were supposed to be the religious right and elites, they were giving the wrong message to the people who might not be followers yet. Jesus tells us in John 13, verse 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. What the Pharisees were doing was not very loving to this woman. That's a bad look. That's bad testimony. We say we want to love people, and if we fail to love one another, not only is it disobedient to Jesus, the unchurched seeing this will see a hard hypocrisy. And that's why people have a very negative view of the church today. Loving people is not that easy, especially people we don't get along with. And to love as Jesus loves requires supernatural power. That power grows when we have intimacy with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So how do we overcome hypocrisy? Well, to begin with, we have to admit that we are hypocrites. We have to be honest with ourselves. Be transparent to say you're a hypocrite, not to be in denial of our own hypocrisy. It begins there. Hypocrisy is the norm. That's what I said, right? It's modern life. Hypocrisy is the norm. Admitting it is not. It takes humility, and humility is very difficult to have. It's having a sober awareness of oneself. And we can't do that realistically by ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit to counsel us, to help us understand where we fall short, where our pridefulness rears its ugly, ugly head. So how are we as Christians? 
to counter the perception that we are hypocrites, we must become transparent about our flaws and act first, talk second. Essentially, walk the talk. People don't believe what we say. They only believe what they see we do. And there's a couple of ways we can be very practical about overcoming hypocrisy in our lives. And I see this from this passage so that we, by overcoming our hypocrisy, we can then love others better. And the first step, it begins with self-reflection. That's what we see in verse 7. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. So Jesus is encouraging the Pharisees and the scribe, and actually everybody in the crowd, probably even his own disciples, look inside you. Look at yourselves. Look at your own selves and see if there's any sin in you. And if you don't, then you can go ahead and cast the first stone. But realistically, if we are honest, if we have great humility, we know that we are all sinners. We are not better than others, and we should be transparent about that. That's the message we need to be communicating. We're not perfect. Even with Jesus in us, we are not perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. We must admit we need help, and Jesus is there to help us. The difference we have as believers from non-Christians is that we have a relationship with Jesus which results in having the gift of the Holy Spirit that will transform us from our hypocrisy to be more like Jesus, which helps us take down all those false masks we wear to meet all the expectations others have of us. And, and this is something that, you know, if we look honestly at hypocrisy, a lot of us have been conditioned to do this. The day we are born, we live not for ourselves, but often we are living for the expectations of other people, our parents, our teachers, our bosses, our neighbors, our friends. We try to look, do things that will please them, and we put on these masks to do that. We're inside. We don't feel like doing that. This first came to my attention when... um, uh, I was very young. Uh, I, I was born and started my early life in Chinatown, San Francisco. So when I went to the neighborhood, I went to my elementary school, everybody was Chinese American. That was the neighborhood I grew up in. But for a better life, my father moved us out into the um, so-called suburb areas of San Francisco, the Sunset. At the age of five, I instantly had culture shock from a neighborhood where I saw people like myself. I moved into a neighborhood where I was the only Chinese kid. And there, in the process of assimilation, I had to learn really quick how to survive among people that didn't look like me, didn't talk like me, didn't eat like me, to be more essentially white. I was putting on a mask. And there I began my process of living in this great country of ours 
learning how to survive, how to put on masks to get ahead. And that's a lot of, of us have learned to do, to go up that ladder we, of education. We have to learn what makes things to uh, achieve success. It's the same thing with career, same thing with dating relationships. We learn things to be able to achieve those things. But a lot of times, that success is not who we are. The ends does not justify the means. And God wants us to be integral to who he created us to be. And often we will have to do this self-reflection to look at parts of our lives where we have become hypocrites because we want to please others. We want to do things that gains approval, acceptance, because we all want to belong. But a lot of times that causes us to compromise, to become not whole from what we feel on the inside as opposed to what we look like on the outside. And when those two are conflicting, that's hypocrisy. But Jesus Christ came into this world to make us whole again, to be who God created us to be and to be true to that. And that is the seriousness of being hypocrites. And if we're not careful, as I said, today in this world, hypocrisy is acceptable. But Jesus says it's not. And he came to spare us of the consequences. Besides self-reflection, overcoming hypocrisy also means having no condemnation for others like Jesus. In verse 10, verse 11, Jesus stood up and said to her, Women, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on sin no more. We should not be quick to judge people, but to have compassion like Jesus had for this woman. Hard to do, but we must if we are to be obedient to Jesus' command to love others as he loved us. If people feel like we are judging them, then we have failed to love them. It's not how we think or how we perceive. It's how they perceive. If they perceive that we are judging them, then we have failed to love them. We must see them as Jesus sees them. For this new year, maybe we can make this commitment to call ourselves recovering hypocrites, that we can make steps to overcome the hypocrisy in ourselves because it damages what we want to do as a people, as a church, as a mission. For this new year, let's have 2020 vision to see ourselves and others with the clarity of Jesus. To love God without hypocrisy, we need Jesus. To love others without hypocrisy, we will need Jesus. And to serve others without hypocrisy, we will need Jesus. So do you need Jesus? I know I do. Desperately so. So let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we enter a new year, and it's a new year where we can begin anew again. Oftentimes, if we are honest, we fall short of the things that we commit to, especially in our desire to follow you. And, and in that pursuit, sometimes we allow other things to come into our lives where we try to please man and not please God. But that's hypocritical. And Lord, you are saddened by that. So may we come humbly before you and receive your grace and mercy for you are always willing to forgive if we are ready to confess and to return to you with pure hearts. So I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.